This title of this sermon is Believe God, Love God, Serve God. And here is a reading from the prophet Isaiah from chapter 43, verse 10. Hear the word of God. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you bow and pray with me and for me? Holy and merciful God, we have come here today to hear a word from you. Hide the messenger and bring forth your message that we may become more like Jesus. May you receive all the glory, honor, and praise that belongs to you. Amen. <clears throat> when Mary Holland called and asked me to fill your pulpit today, I said that I would need to pray about it. As I prayed, I asked God to let me know beyond any doubt if this was what he wanted me to do. That night as I lay in bed waiting for sleep to creep up on me, I again prayed for God's will. Then God started giving me this message. And I knew I was supposed to be here to bring his word to you. I have met a few of your members who served with me on the Kairos inside team last November. I've actually been over to your fellowship hall for meetings. I met a few more at the Women of Worship retreat, we tweet, this summer, as Mary says over here, and, and um, that your church organized. And I hear this body of believers desires to know and do the will of God. I want you to know that I have been given the gift of tears first. I need to let you know that. That sometimes I cry. And it is a gift of tears because I was overwhelmed by the Spirit's presence this morning here in your worship. I can feel it. God is here. God hears your prayers. You are hungry to be in His presence and to know and serve Him. God has heard those prayers. He knows your desire to make the Women of Worship retreat, or we tweet, an annual affair. And for it to grow, and for you to invite women from all over the conference. I know that's what you want. That's what God's desire is, too. He put that desire in your heart. So His Holy Spirit is working within you to give you vision and desire. In this passage of scripture from Isaiah, God is bringing the Israelites out from exile from Babylon. He sent the Persian army in to defeat the Babylonians. God touched the heart of the Persian king and the king allowed the Israelites to return home. Are we held captive? Many are enslaved to the things of this world. God is bringing you out of captivity. He is bringing you out of exile so you can return to Him. God is setting you free. He is calling you out. You say, now, to who or where are we in captivity? Whatever it is that keeps you and me from being witnesses and servants of our Lord God, we are enslaved to. Let's explore some of them. How about individualism? Some say, I will come to church, but I can't get involved in it. Let others do the ministry. The Israelites were a group of people, God's chosen people. 
We, the church, are God's chosen people. We can do more ministry together than we can, than one person can. We are called to be in community with other believers, not Lone Rangers. Even the Lone Ranger had Tonto and Silver. <clears throat> Let's look at self-righteousness. I'm right with God, so I don't need to confess my sins and repent. Maybe by your own standards, but how about by God's, by His commandments? <clears throat> and let's look at self-pity and shame. You know, that's one of the um, one of the things I was in captivity to. I can't. Nobody likes me. They don't know what's happened to me in my past. They don't know what I've done. I'm not good enough to serve the, a holy God. You're right. <laughs> None of us are. But God has called us and redeemed us by sending His Son to pay for our sins on the cross. And only through Jesus Christ are we good enough. <clears throat> I used to think, what would a good God want with a bad girl like me? How about not qualified? I use that one too. <laughs> I don't know how to do what God wants me to do. I don't know God's will. I haven't had the proper training. God will equip you for the ministry that he has called you into. We are all called. You, have, you may have heard that saying, God does not call the equipped. He equips the called, and that's what he will do. Apathy and being complacent. Oh, I've done my part. Now it's time for others to take over. Let someone else do that ministry. Or seeing a need and turning away from it. And how about self-indulgent? Now I'm starting to meddle, huh? But such as, hmm, drugs, alcohol, food, ego, putting yourself first before God. And here's another one that I was in captivity to. And it still tries to overtake me even coming here today. And that's fear. That little rascal fear. I don't like him. Fear of not being good enough. Fear of criticism. Fear about what others are going to say. And that's all, that's all acknowledge that we criticize a lot of people. God uses flawed people <coughs> like me and you. Let's just look at a few of them. Abraham and Sarah were old. This is real. I have my crown. And God gave them a child, even after Sarah laughed at God. This child would become the first of a great many descendants of Abraham and Sarah, chosen by God to do his will and serve him. <clears throat> Noah was a drunk. And yet God saved humanity through his obedience. Moses was a murderer and a coward. How many of us here are cowards? He didn't believe he could do what God wanted him to do. Send someone else, he said. Send someone else to Pharaoh. Besides that, he thought he could get killed when he went back because he had killed someone himself. Yet God did miracles through him to save the Israelites. 
How about Rahab? Rahab was a prostitute, and God used her to save the Israelite spies that were sent into the city of Jericho by Joshua. Then there's King David. King David was an adulterer and a murderer. He had one of his soldiers, Uriah, killed so he could have his wife, Bathsheba. Saul, God changed his name to Paul. He, Saul persecuted, persecuted the Christians, even taking part in the stoning of Stephen, a disciple of Jesus. Saul, or Paul, whatever you want to call him, was highly educated and considered a Pharisee. God converted him and used him to spread the gospel of Jesus to the known world, to the Gentiles. To the Gentiles that the Jews hated. Each one of these persons knew about or knew the living God. They were chosen to serve God. It didn't matter what their credentials were. God knew their hearts. God has chosen you and me, and he is calling <clears throat> you and me out of captivity to be his witnesses. He wants you to know more, him more fully. He wants you to believe him and understand that he is who he says he is. In Beth Moore's Bible study titled Believing God, there's a five statement pledge of faith. It is very powerful and it reads, one, believing God is who he says he is. Two, God can do what he says he can do. Believing that. Believing I am who God says I am. Not a fearful little mouse hiding in the corner, but someone who gets up here because I have the power of God that tells me to. Believing that I, that, let's see, number four, believing I can do all things through Christ. And that's the only way we can do these things that matter in this world is through Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And number five is believing God's word is alive and active in me. Let me repeat that one. Believing that God's word is alive and active in me. Who is God to you? Is he the Messiah, your Savior, sent to take your sins upon himself and require nothing of you? Do you believe he is all-powerful and all-knowing? Is he a loving God or a vengeful God? Some people don't read the Old Testament because they say, Oh, God was a vengeful God. They didn't read the whole story. Is he a God who used to be relevant but is no longer? Because we have replaced him with other things. The books in the Bible tell stories of how God cares for his people. Do you believe that he still does care? Is he the good shepherd who still cares for his flock? In the book of Exodus, God revealed himself to Moses in the burning bush as the God of the Israelite ancestors. I am. I love it because all the songs that you did today just fit right in with this scripture. The name's Jehovah of all God's names. He is the God whose name is I am. Not I was, not I will be, but I am. God is a loving, caring God who heard the cries of his people. He came down from heaven to earth to save them us. God still hears our cries today. Without God's help, we cannot be the person he wants us to be. When we are stuck in a rut and have become complacent in our faith, we are of little use to God and others.
Many in our churches are stuck and don't know how or don't want to move forward. They are captives. It takes risk to serve God. We must go back to believing God is who he says he is. In Exodus, Exodus 20, 1 through 10, I have to have a drink. You know how Methodist, we, we drink a lot. <laughs> coffee, coffee, water. I didn't say that, anything else. In Exodus 20, 1 through 10, we read that God spoke and said, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Then he says that he is a jealous God of any of the false idols that they were worshiping. And there will be serious consequences for those who make and worship idols. Today, what are the idols that we put before God? May I suggest that we search the scriptures about who God says he is to renew our faith in the holy, powerful, loving, protecting, jealous God that we serve. You can't love God and serve God if you don't know him. So spend time in the scriptures getting to know him. John, uh, in the Gospel of John, chapter 21, verses 5 through 17, after Jesus was resurrected and he was with Peter and the other disciples on the beach, he asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. The other two times Peter was asked if he loved Jesus and he answered he did. He was told to tend and feed Jesus' sheep. In other words, we are to be taking care of those that Jesus cares about. I don't know about you, but I can't think of anyone that Jesus doesn't care about. Can you? Jesus said the greatest commandment was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. We are to love and serve God by taking care of others. Now I've told this story several times. And if you've heard it, and some of you have, that were at the Women of Worship, but I hope you will be reinforced with this message once again. When I got my call into ministry, I cried for three weeks. I did not want to tell anyone, because I didn't want to do it. I figured if I didn't tell anyone, then no one would know that I didn't want to be a minister. I had witnessed how the church had turned against the last two ministers that I had grown close to. I didn't want to be treated like that. And besides that, I was scared to death to get up in front of people to speak. The first time I did announcements in the large church in Alamogordo that God placed me in, I almost cried. And I was just going to tell them if I started crying that announcements just make me so emotional. <laughs> As my knees were shaking. And eventually I began to explore the possibility. I became a lay speaker and enrolled in college since I didn't have a degree. And that was a requirement of the United Methodist Church. One day the pastor mentioned that I had not been in the pulpit in some time and asked me to preach on some Sunday. I had lots of excuses as to why I couldn't. I told him that I would pray about it and let him know. I told God. How do you like that? I told God. Have you ever done that? Yeah. I said, I told God that I was too busy 
that I had too much homework. I was too tired to take on anything else. That is how I prayed. That night I had a dream. God was with me and we were standing in a giant warehouse. It was huge and it was full of food. Forklifts were running around with pallets of food to go up on the high shelves. I was the manager of that warehouse. God said to me, look out the back door. There were semi-trucks lined up as far as I could see, ready to bring more food into the warehouse. Then he said, look out the front door. I looked out and I saw people in the street who were emaciated from hunger. One man had a little boy hanging onto his leg, crying from hunger. They were so thin and gray looking, with dark circles under their eyes, eyes that looked hollow. Then he asked me, are you going to throw the doors wide open and feed them? Or are you going to keep it to yourself? Because if you keep it to yourself, it will spoil and not be good for anyone. I knew then that I had to step into the pulpit and feed God's people. This is your message too. Each one of us is God's warehouse. And we contain the spiritual food, the nourishment that the hungry world needs. Are we going to keep it to ourselves? Or are we going to share it with the world? A world that is starving to know the God who loves them. To know the God who sent his only son to die on the cross for their sins and the sins of the world. Hear these words again, recorded by the prophet Isaiah. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Do you believe God? Let us pray. Lord, you have stirred our hearts, and we thank you for your word. Help us to ponder your word in our hearts. May it take root and grow that we may know you more fully and serve you with joy as we share the good news to the hungry world. In Jesus' name, amen.